With working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? It's impossible to do it all, yet we're asked to each day. Listen to hear how one high-wire woman, Rosanna Berardi, stays on the high wire while managing a busy law firm, a consulting business, teaching at a law school, parenting her 14-year-old son, and maintaining a happy and healthy marriage. Let Rosanna show you how to make sense of your life and stay on that high wire. Welcome back, High Wire Woman, to the High Wire Woman podcast. Today, we have a really fun and interesting guest. Dr. Alexander Stockwell is a physician and also a love, luxury, and intimacy mentor. She's really known as the intimacy doctor. Now, listen, don't click off the podcast. This is really important stuff. She shows couples how to build beautiful, long-lasting, and passionate relationships. She's the best-selling author of Uncompromising Intimacy and the host of the highly acclaimed The Marriage Podcast. And I know, High Wire Women, if you're like me, sometimes you're like, oh my God, this is the last thing I care about right now. I'm too busy. I've got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that, you know, all this stuff. But Dr. Stockwell is going to show us how to make room for the important things in our life that include intimacy. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And I really love that introduction. I think you've (laughs) nailed exactly what the issues are. For sure. So tell us a little bit about you. You have a fascinating background. You're a physician, you're a wife of 25 years, you have four children, and you are an intimacy doctor. So tell us how that all came together. Okay, well, let me just say that If I went back to when I was about 25, I never in a million years would have imagined that I'd be having this conversation with you about this topic. I am, but I definitely was very ambitious. I went to college, medical school, residency training. I had paid off my student loans and married my husband, whom I met in medical school, and had three of my four children and was in my mid 30s. And I just didn't feel the way that I thought I would feel. I worked really hard. I sacrificed so much. I was working 80, 90 hours a week, plus changing diapers. And then I thought, okay, I should feel really gratified. And I don't even know how I would have described it, but I expected some sense of satisfaction and a real enthusiasm to continue living that way for another three or four decades, however long my professional career lasted. And whatever that feeling was that I'd been chasing, I did not feel it. And I was happy. I liked practicing medicine. I was not depressed. I'm asked this because burnout is a very big phenomenon in physicians. And I was not burnt out. Hmm. More at the level of a whisper. I just knew that this was going to get old really quickly. And I wasn't really sure what to do about it because even when I was having fun, my whole life was devoted to becoming a skilled physician, to becoming a better parent, to developing certain qualities. Like it was always everything I was doing, no matter how much I enjoyed it, was a means to an end. And I'd gotten there and it just didn't feel like it was worth it. So the first thing I did, which was, it took a lot of courage, was I went on sabbatical kind of knowing that I probably wouldn't return, but not being able to say that to anyone Mm. except kind of myself and my husband. And for the first time in my life, in my mid thirties, I gave myself permission to do things just because I felt like it. Wow. That's so powerful. Wow. Yeah. 
And I didn't know what I would do. I took a dance class. I went and sat by the river. And it's not even about what I did. I still had three children. I was running my household. I was doing some insurance physicals. Like I, I wasn't not working at all, but I gave myself space to just see what I felt like doing for the sake of doing that, even if it didn't meet some bigger purpose. And I did a lot of interesting things. I did some boring, unimportant things. <laughs> I did nothing some days. That was really kind of radical. And one thing led to another, and I decided I really wanted to put attention into my intimate relationship with my husband. It's not that it was bad, but we hadn't had much time. And now that we had time, I thought it would be a lot juicier than it actually was. (laughs) And so I did what any ambitious student does. I signed up for a training, which was extremely in-depth. I did it for myself, but it doubled as a coach training. And at the time, I didn't know what a coach was, but I thought, well, I should know what's happening here. And so I went to the teaching lab and coached and was coached for the first time. And I just thought, okay, I'm home. This is my native language. This is actually going to inspire me, challenge me and feed my soul for the rest of my career. I didn't know all that from that first experience, but that's where I am with it. And you know it when you see it, right? You know when you're in the wrong space too, which you were able to internalize and do some deep thinking and say, hey, you know, all these should things that should make me happy really aren't making me happy. And it's so funny that we're having this conversation because it's a beautiful day where I live today and I was walking in the office with my work bag and thinking, hmm, I wonder what I would do today. <laughs> I had the opportunity to I do I love it. that you asked yourself that I question, did. Rosanna. That's beautiful. I did. And I live in Buffalo, New York. So the weather is not always beautiful, right? And today it's 75, no humidity. It is a stunning day. And I was walking and I love my job. And I just said, I wonder what I would do now if I didn't have to do this, you know? What did you come up with? It would definitely just kind of be outside by myself. No technology. Maybe like a walk by the water. Yeah. Woods. Something very simple, but unplugged unplugged. You know, I think that that is really profound because especially when we are living our days with high focus, high responsibility, high achievement, lots of things on our to-do list that we think of getting away from it as being honestly the same thing, just a different flavor, like going on a vacation, which in many ways is also relatively high intensity, even Mm -hmm. if we spend time on a Caribbean beach, just getting there and getting everyone packed and so forth. And there's such beauty in allowing ourselves to want to just take a walk without our phone. Mm -hmm. And that very pivot from needing to go on a great vacation, or a fancy dinner or some kind of like intense experience to just enjoying Being in nature without our phone, that pivot gets to the heart of our topic today. Because if somebody wants to really spice things up and really enjoy their marriage more, we can think, oh, we need to go buy some lingerie or 
take a weekend away or have a date night. And those are all fabulous things. I'm not saying anything against them. But the thing that really shifts it in a long-term committed relationship with a lot of personal and professional responsibilities, which I guess is the high wire woman, right? Yes, for sure. (laughs) It's taking those sometimes very short moments in clock time and really dropping in and allowing the connection to be felt without needing a lot of equipment to make it happen. Yeah. And I love that because I think, you know, I've said personally to my husband, like, oh, I just, you know, I don't feel connected. I don't feel like we really like communicate well. And he always says, let's go on a date night. And I'm like, well, no, the nice dinner is nice, but pour me a cup of coffee, watch the TV interview I did and let me know what you think. Or, you know, it's those little things in our day. I think we look at these grandiose things like, well, let's go on a cross-country vacation. And it's so stressful, right? But like if someone else, and I don't know about you, if someone else makes me a sandwich or a salad tastes so much better, right? Because I didn't do it and I feel very cared for and, you know, in context. So I know you deal with a lot of couples, men, women. What are you seeing? I mean, God, we just, are we out of a pandemic? I don't even know what to say anymore, but What have you seen in the last year or so? Like, what are people struggling with the most? You know, the pandemic has been, well, as a medical analogy, I'd say adding steroids to everything. But what I really mean is just intensifying everything, Mm -hmm. putting it under a lens. And so there are some couples who've been so busy and they've discovered what a pleasure it is to be together without much leaving the home, you know? Right. And probably for more couples, being at home without all of the responsibilities and what in this context I'm going to call distractions. Not that spending time with girlfriends or going to the gym is a distraction in and of itself, but it's a distraction from really experiencing what the quality of the relationship is. And I think a lot of couples have discovered that they've grown apart but didn't realize it because they were so busy, it didn't show. And there's been a real need to kind of get to know one another anew, because one of the phenomenons in long-term relationship is that people meet, they're totally curious about one another. When I think of the experience of being in love, that includes being so curious about who your partner is, like, what's their favorite vegetable? What was their second grade teacher's name? What do they daydream about? Like, it's just, where is that scar from? Like, You just can't get enough. And that's part of the feeling of being in love. And one of the beautiful things about a committed relationship is that it's safe and you become companions and you know what someone's preferences are. So you stop asking. And the pandemic has really showed so many individuals how much they and their partner have grown that they were unaware of. Mm -hmm. And pandemic or not, I think one of the most important seasonings to add to a relationship is more curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when you're not curious, how can you be connected? Right? I mean, if I'm not asking day to day, how is your job? Or how did you feel today? What's going on? I mean, it's, and and I know women connect very differently than men, but to me, that's critical because I don't want to, I don't want a roommate, right? I don't want to just be with someone that's like, okay, we're living you know, these parallel paths. But I have to also say, full disclosure, anytime I'm out with a group of girlfriends and the subject of intimacy 
comes up, everyone's like, oh, it's the last thing I want to do. Why are, why, Dr. Stockwell, why are we like this? Why? And I'm not speaking for everyone. I can just tell you, I have a wide group of friends. Doesn't matter if they're married, single, kids, no kids, divorced. There's always kind of this collective groan. What is that? Yeah, you've expressed it so well. And I have at least to start with two things to say. One is that anything which isn't intimacy in the bedroom functions as foreplay. So every single interaction either brings us closer together or further apart. And there's a way that you can interact in the day-to-day, which leads to more intimacy or which functions to make it that there are hurdles to overcome to get there. That's one thing. And then the other thing is that far and away throughout the whole world, the most common relationship advice that is given is that you need to learn to compromise. And if you want a bland, neutral, conflict-free, pleasant relationship, compromise will get you that. But if you want a juicy, passionate, connected relationship, compromise gets in the way because with compromise, we're holding parts of ourselves back. And if we're routinely not sharing how we feel, not connecting, just letting lots of different parts of ourselves be dormant or outside the marriage, when we get to the bedroom, there is no switch to flip to be fully present, expressed, accepting, and aware. So the way that I teach couples to really transform this groan into a smile is to be connected in a way which includes vulnerability and bringing more of who you are into the day-to-day interactions. And that is both in content and in tone. So in terms of content, there's this crazy study that has shown that Couples tend to spend less than four minutes a day talking about anything other than kids and logistics. And I usually throw in pets for where that's relevant. Four minutes. Holy cow. Right? Wow. So just extending that to look at this other person outside their roles, outside their professional role, outside their parenting role, outside their role as a daughter or a son. And look at this person as the man you love. Just take a moment to think of him and look at him that way already starts to shift things. Because we all yearn to be seen beyond our roles. And when we can bring more of ourselves to one another during the day, it's way less of a transition to do that when we go into the bedroom. Yeah, and that's super interesting that you said flip the switch because I hear so many women, friends, colleagues say, intimacy for me, I I can't just turn on a switch. It just doesn't happen that way. (laughs) And I think for men, they can. I think physiologically, emotionally, I think a lot of men can flip the switch. But for women, it's all about how we feel, right? And if I'm only talking to my husband for under four minutes a day, I'm not gonna feel that connected in the bedroom, right? It's it's just too, there's too much of a gap between those two things. 
And couples do talk more than four minutes, but it's all about topics that don't have to do with the marriage, just to clarify that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we talk about what are we having for dinner or what are we doing this weekend? And then commonly in our marriage, which I think is common in a lot, it's the battle of the phones, right? Like every time I go to talk to my husband, he's looking at his phone and I'm like, like, what are you looking at? And I'm talking to you. Can you put that down? You know, it's always this no phones at the dinner. I'm like the phone police. But that is such an obstacle to me because you can't be engaged when you're on your phone, right? I mean, you just can't. And that's been such a struggle all the time. So let's just say we're going to talk about things outside of our pets and our kids and what we're having for dinner. So what's the pivot? Like, what's the shift? Like, what, I don't want to say should, but what do you recommend for communication between couples to bridge that gap? Well, I'm going to give two very different recommendations, both of which are very helpful. The first one is just to expand your repertoire with asking questions. You can ask if you were president of any country, which one would it be and what policies would you implement? Or if you could have dinner with any celebrity alive or dead, who would it be and what would you ask them? Okay. Yeah, I like that. You know, things that you don't want to ask anything unless you're actually curious, but just to like mix it up a little bit. Sure. And you can ask questions that are whimsical or spiritual or deep, but either way, you want to just expand the repertoire of what you're talking about. And if your partner doesn't then turn it around and ask you the same question, don't get hung up on that. Just go (laughs) ahead and pretend they have and reveal who you are. And in that way, you change the culture in your marriage. So that's one thing. It's just to ask more questions and listen generously. I love that. And and just to interrupt for a minute, last week we're on vacation and I heard on the radio this question, like, what's one thing that everyone loves that you hate? And so I said that to my husband and son, and we had like this long conversation about what it was and why. And I thought, wow, just that little, little question that I heard on the radio was so great. So I love those types of kind of generic questions where what you get a lot out of them in terms of the conversation, other than me saying, how was your day? Good. What do you want for dinner? (laughs) Pizza, right? Like (laughs) that's what a lot of our conversations sound like because we're in this like hamster wheel all day long. You use the word pivot when you ask the question. I think it's a perfect word because it's not like you need to change the environment or schedule It really literally is just, as you said, a pivot. And so that one question just completely changed the trajectory of how the next 30 minutes went or whatever it is. And so one can do that very easily, Mm -hmm. just the intention and attention. Okay. And then the second tip, which is also really important, but I would start with the first thing with just asking questions is when you have something that you want to say or share, it might be a question, but more often it's something that has impacted you in a complicated way, either that your partner has done or somewhere else in your life. It doesn't matter for what I'm saying. To begin by saying, I have something vulnerable I want to share with you. Are you available to hear it? Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that women make is either not telling or starting to go in that direction 
and just seeing if he's interested, but he doesn't catch that you're introducing something. And so it's missed. I think of it as like sending the canary into the coal mine. Like I used to do that all the time and my husband never perceived the canary. And then I conclude he didn't care. Right. You know, I felt rejected, yes. blah, 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 more resentment. It doesn't need to be that way. We are intelligent women who use our frontal cortexes and it is appropriate to actually get opt-in. It's like waving a flag and saying, I want to have this kind of conversation. Yeah. Please join me, like give him the cues so it can be a win-win. And so when you say, I have something vulnerable I want to share with you, are you available to hear it? He has to be able to say yes or no. It has to be a real question. Otherwise, it doesn't create opt-in. And if it's your partner, then a no really should be some form of not yet. Like, you know what? It's been such a long day. I want to take a shower and have dinner and then I'll be ready for you. Mm -hmm. And it's your job if your feelings are hurt to manage it, because in order for this conversation to go well, you both have to be interested in having it. Otherwise, it's dead in the water. And yeah. then when you do have the conversation, if it's something challenging at work, you don't need to do this. But if it's about the fact that he didn't do the dishes again, or he interrupted you in front of company or whatever it is that's bugging you, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. You want to make sure to say what your purpose is in bringing this up, because otherwise he gets defensive and there's more disconnection created. And the goal of this is to create connection. So it might be like, there's something that's really been bugging me and it makes it hard for me to connect. And I want to tell you so we can both feel more connected or so we can both have fun when we retire. I mean, into the bedroom that evening, whatever it is that your desire is, if you share what your intention is, then your guy is not going to get defensive and be just waiting to hear what the attack is. He's going to understand, oh, this is what we're aiming for. And he'll be much more capable of going there with you. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it becomes like a, almost a nagging session, like, oh, the house is a mess. There's laundry to do. Why didn't you do that? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm always looking at, okay, why does that really bother? Do I really care that much about the laundry? No, I care. <laughs> I don't. But I care about the fact that I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I'm not being helped or cared for. And that makes me resentful. And if I'm resentful, then I don't really want to be intimate because I'm too angry, right? So it's like, what's really the fight about? Because the fight's never really about the fight. I always think there's an underlying <laughs> component Especially on the, the household stuff, right? Like the, oh, you left the toilet seat up or, oh, there's dishes in the sink or like that stuff isn't really about those things. I think, you know, it's language for stuff that's harder to talk about. Yeah. And we do need to do our own work, our own self-inquiry to see what is the issue, be more self-aware. And then this kind of conversation can create amazing emotional intimacy, which paves the way for other forms of intimacy. But saying something like, I have something really vulnerable to share with you. And anyone listening, pay attention to my tone. It's not like, I have something vulnerable. Are you? Okay? No. Vulnerable have, alert. <laughs> no, it's not like alert, that at alert. all. It's like, <laughs> I have something vulnerable to share with you. Are you available to hear it? He says yes. And then you say, 
I've just been feeling disconnected and I want to be more connected. I just need you to listen. Give him, you know, instructions on how to receive this too. And then to say, when the dishes aren't done, I just feel taken for granted and like my experience doesn't matter. I've been so overwhelmed and I would love to feel supported. And so this isn't even really about the dishes. It's about that being a way for me to feel supported, more relaxed, and more available for what we really want to be doing with one another. And that is a communication that moves mountains. I'm going to tell you a story. So I gave a talk once and I spoke, I gave very detailed instructions on how to make a vulnerable communication after saying why, just like we're doing now. And there was a woman who was a very high-powered CEO. She'd been married for 32 years. And at the end of the talk, she came up to me and not really looking me in the eye, she said, what if your husband just doesn't care? Mm. And I, of course, confirmed that it wasn't an abusive or toxic relationship. And then I said, he does care. You need to be more vulnerable. And she was skeptical because she was used to making things happen in her life without any vulnerability and said, okay. And I happened to run into her at an event a month later. And she came up to me and said, I told my husband that sometimes I feel unimportant and small. And she's married to this engineer who's very high achieving as well. Mm-hmm. And he, she was just astonished when he responded by saying, me too. Wow. And it was one of the most connected moments I'd had in their 32 years. And the thing that created that was her having the courage to be vulnerable in a way that wasn't comfortable, but she was willing to try it. And when you can create that kind of emotional intimacy, as long as there's no particular anatomical challenge or whatever, that really it functions as lube, I'll say. It really paves the way to connect with our bodies because our souls are more connected through vulnerability. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So tell me how you can help our high-wire women. What kind of services do you offer? What do you do with your clients? Tell us a little bit more about what's going on in your world and how we can tap into it. I would love to, and I think I'll start by saying that I absolutely believe and see proved over and over that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. And so really, when you talk about your circle friends and the grown, now not everyone wants intimacy, but for those who do, my heart just hurts because it is a learnable skill. And the real problem is that we don't have a place to get that education. So I am devoted to changing that. So I have my podcast I have my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, which is very beneficial on its own. And then I have all kinds of programs from more dip a toe in to hear a little bit more about curiosity on to private bespoke luxury coaching packages. So if this sounds interesting, please go to alexandrastockwell.com. On my website, you'll find all of my different offerings. And it really is a buffet because this is the kind of thing that you want to be able to pace yourself. Maybe you just want to read a book and maybe you want to reach out and make it 
appointment to have a complimentary conversation with your husband and the three of us talk about what's possible and everything in between, because it really is a learnable skill once you prioritize it. And I love that. And I love this conversation because everything that you've suggested is simple and doable, right? It's not the standard reading the article in the Women's Day magazine that's like, go on a date night, plan a weekend together and blah, blah, blah. You know, most women are like, oh my God, just one more thing to do, right? But today you've showed us and you've talked about some really simple things that we can do. And I think oftentimes we make things harder than they need to be. And which is why we collectively groan <laughs> at the topic of intimacy because we're like, oh my God, I can't do this. But for me, you've broken it down in a very simple way. So so interesting. And listeners, if you go on alexandrastockwell.com, website is fascinating. There's books. There's a podcast called The Marriage Podcast. There's tons and tons of articles to look at. I think you'll really enjoy it. And we'll have all of Dr. Stockwell's information and contacts in our show notes today. So Dr. Stockwell, before we go, what's one thing that you can't live without? And it could be, is it coffee? Is it, you know, wine? Is it conversation? I was thinking about this question because I love that you ask it. And when I got really honest with myself, it is hot baths. Mm, All right. A nice bathtub and warm water does the trick any day, any time of day. Love that. Once again, a simple pleasure, right? Yes. Warm water in a bathtub. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are some things that like a hot bath that can just take you to a different place. Yes. And I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is fascinating. I could talk to you for like five more hours. So thank you again for being here. High wire women don't collectively groan. We can do this. It's a learnable skill. I love this conversation. There's so much truth and knowledge in it. And please continue to check out alexandrastockwell.com and learn more about you know, how we can really improve our lives and plug into one another in an intimate way. So until next time, stay on that highway.